0: good morning everybody give me zone with you on a saturday harry styles good morning to you all things are as they were as it was for one brooks kepka back into the winners circle at a major championship and boy he uh, he joins a select group of champions that have since world war II. i'll go digging and uh, get that that list dialed back up for us but uh I think it's 11, maybe 12 golfers since World War II that have won five or more major championships. And at any rate, this one for Brooks Kepka after not having won for four years and after some comments that Brooks Kepka made about, I don't know if I can go win one of these things again. Now he's fully back. And uh, as we say, good morning, Josh Elmer, alongside Jackson Rowbottom and Brian Vineyard. Brian, this one... Now, all of a sudden, and he was, I think he was going to be there regardless. I mean, he was already level with Jordan Spieth and McElroy, some of the contemporary greats of of this era in golf. But now to get one up on those guys and to get back into the major winner's circle. And with, you know, based on what happened at Augusta and what happened here at the PGA Championship, it feels like there's more to come. For Brooks Koepka, I mean, this one, I feel like now all of a sudden, if he wasn't there already, he's inching into all time great status.
1: Well, he's certainly a guy that when he gets in the majors, for whatever reason, dials it up a notch. You know, I'm really shocked that he won the tournament because I, I, you know, I didn't think these live guys could go more than 54 holes. T- After Tongue in cheek, of course. <laughs> After I mean, the final round
0: at Augusta National, there were a lot of people that felt that way. No, man.
1: Augusta, you know, if you look back at what happened there, it was wet and cold. He had to play more than 18 holes the last day. He finished not very good, the, the what was the third round. And I think it got in his head a little bit. But clearly, Jackson, his game is dialed in. And there were a couple of chances for him to fade when he hit some poor shots in the final round last week, and he found a way to scratch out a par or scratch out a bogey when he could have easily had a double or triple. I'll
2: tell you what, so he he's going to be the first one to admit this, that most guys can't accept when a bogey is a good score on a card. And that is so important, particularly in majors. This is a course that I'm not, sh- I'm not too shocked that he performed well on because it, it demands accuracy off the tee box he's finally starting to get that back it demands a really good short game so a combination of distance and short game is really what you need around Oak Hill and if those two are firing for him yeah he's going to be in the mix and sure enough he was he won the major but it was fan it was amazing to watch him just go back into Brooks Kepka form I remember when he was w- when he won it at Shinnecock he played the exact same way It was a matter of, okay, we're not going to come. It's not going to be a birdie fest out here. Although, at the beginning of his round, it certainly was a birdie fest. I think he birdied four out of his first five, and then he started to cool off a little bit. But he performed. That's one of the best major performances I've seen in in my lifetime, at least from a perspective of endurance and lasting
1: through the entire event. Well, I think one of the differences you saw in Oak Hill that was a little bit different than other PGA setups you know other PGA championships the rough was much deeper That's i don't true. know if that was just a factor that they'd had so much rain lately and they didn't feel like they could get out and cut it or if you know they said okay let's make this a little bit different sure. cuz it's an older course you know let's you know so they just don't go out and obliterate this thing and shoot 20 under and you know we were talking guys uh when we Saturday morning we are kind of all bantered around that, you know, Brooks is there, but kind of still felt like it was Scheffler's tournament sure. the way he had been playing. But lo and behold, literally right off we got off the air, he had a really rough Saturday. Kepka kind of seized control of the tournament. You know, Victor Hovland was there again. But, Josh, Victor's got to show us that he can close out one of these. He's getting there a lot and you, they talk about these are learning experiences. You have to kind of go through the fire to get there. Do you feel like he's making progress on that, or do you feel like maybe he's still a bit away?
0: I'm going to say that I think that he's making progress for right now. And, you know, you date back to the end of last major season. He really hadn't played all that great in major championships up until that point. Now all of a sudden, what, the last three – He's played well, two of which you come away and say, okay, did he, did he, and maybe, I mean, maybe all three you come away and say, did he cough away a chance to go win one of these? And, and, and definitely uh, this one right here, I mean, he had a golden opportunity again to go win it. And, and that part, yes, you can't sit there and say, because we could get down the road on this deal a little bit. And all of a sudden we look back we've seen this before. <laughs> I look no further than another Oklahoma State golfer, one Ricky Fowler that everybody and this is this is dating us back a little bit Brian, but in 2014, I remember flipping on the golf channel and what was the debate that they had? Well, Ricky Fowler or Sergio Garcia, who's going to win the major first and who's going to end up with more majors? And oh, it's a, it, it, don't worry about it. It's a matter of time for Ricky Fowler. Here he is, top 5 in all majors and then all of a sudden you didn't win one and you don't get back to where you ever do win one, at least to this point. So that's that's a possibility for Victor Hovland. I'll err on the side of optimism for him that he's putting himself into contention, and that is a step in the right direction for Victor.
1: Guys, I always say if you get there enough, eventually you're going to knock the door down, right? And, I, and I, I do think that we need to have the discussion Is Victor Hovland a top five player in the world right now? I think he is, Jackson. Oh, he absolutely is.
2: And let's, let's consider the fact that let's look at his past major performances as well. In the previous two majors that he played in, he went backwards as far as his weekend play. In this tournament, if we want to talk about progress, he was right there as a factor the entire way, wire to wire. And so if you look just at the maturity level that he's showing in major championships, yeah, he's growing. And so it doesn't happen as quickly for everybody as it happened for Brooks. I mean, that's, that's just the reality. Brooks is an anomaly as far as major competition is concerned. Well, it actually took Brooks a little while to get going, though, too. It did, it did. But he, once, once he did it, he started catching fire. And I don't know if that's going to be the case for Victor, but the argument is certainly there that he's a top-five player in the world. He's seemingly in cont- he's a top-ten machine, for one. That dude is raking in money left and right. He is going out every tournament that he plays in, and he is somewhere either on the first page or the top half of the second page whenever he's playing in a tournament. You, I mean, I have no issues arguing that he's a top five player in the world. And by the end of the year, I bet he could be one of the top three players in the world, especially if, you know, you see one of those names like Rory McIlroy really start slipping down the hill again. It, it, there's an easy argument to be made for that, Brian. Yeah, Josh,
1: speaking of top players slipping, were either of you guys shocked at Rom's play? Did that surprise you that he didn't really get in the mix, per se? Absolutely.
0: I mean, just the first day alone when you look up and the tournament's just getting going and all of a sudden you see John rom has got a 6-over next to his score. It's, wait, what happened? This is who that is shooting that? And obviously he, he battled back and uh, it wasn't – wasn't quite that ugly throughout, but uh, he got off to a miserable start. I said going in that to me, absolutely, I thought that it would be another major championship where John Rom. We were talking about him coming right down to the finish line, and I was so naive, uh, so naive, guys, to say that John Rom by the end of this thing, maybe we'd be talking about a, a Rom Slam this year. But no, it wasn't anywhere close to to that, Brian.
1: Well, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago, guys, we were as we were previewing this tournament before it started, we were talking about Rom, Scheffler. We all kind of thought Rory'd be in the mix too. None of us mentioned Victor Hovland. That's no. probably our bad because he's he's showing himself to be right there, and. I think what happened to Rom's. I think Rom's temper got the best of him early in that tournament. He kind of lost his composure a couple of times. And I just think it took him – he was so far out of the mix at that point, all you're doing is scratching to make the cut, which I think he made one above the cut line, if I remember correctly. And then, you know, he played better on the weekend. but 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 the reality is he wasn't a factor. And I think as we – morph into talking about what Brooks keeps doing these majors, is, and I'm not saying he's on the caliber of this player yet, but is it kind of a Nicholas-like ability to dial it up in the majors? Because if you look at it, Nicholas had just that innate ability to dial it up in the majors and take his game to another level, even in seasons where in the other events he he wasn't doing much, but all of a sudden – U.S. Open's here, and there's Jack Nicklaus, you know? And so there's guys that win golf tournaments. Rom's won a bunch of them. Sheffler's won a bunch of them. And there's guys that can really dial it up in the majors
0: like Brooks seemingly has done. And Um, I think there's a lot of guys on tour, and Jackson, I know you want to jump in here. I think there's a lot of guys on tour that are that way. Uh, Dustin Johnson now, of course, on the Live Tour, but he's a guy that comes to mind for me that for years and years— he was a PGA Tour winning machine, but he's not converted those into major championships the way that Brooks Kepka converts major championships.
2: If I may be so bold, I might actually input that Brooks's major talent, his capability might actually be better than Jack's. Whoa, I might actually argue that if you consider, I don't know if I can get there. How many okay, well let's let's look at this. from 2017 when he won his first major to now. When he has been playing and he has been healthy, where has he placed himself in majors? It is constantly in the top ten category. And through, let's say, that's six years. That's six years of playing now. If when you're healthy and you're competing, if you're a top ten machine with five major wins to your credit, so, so that's 30 majors, let's call it, in that amount of time, and you've won five of them, and you're top ten and probably another five or six of them, that is a pretty darn good rate. And I don't know how well Jack managed that later in his career. Obviously, Brooks still early on. But I would argue that in the long run, Brooks could actually have a better major percentage of placement
1: and wins than Jack did. I, I could honestly argue that. Okay, Josh. At When we go to break, um, I'm going to run to CVS and we're going to get a drug test here. Because, <laughs> I know. Because Jackson, go ahead. I think go ahead. Jackson either started taking some heavy drugs or had an all-nighter last night. But. I, I got to disagree with you a little bit. Okay. If you, if that's you look fine. at Jack's record, he has more runner ups in majors than anybody in major history, right? So, you know,
0: let's. He's let, got more runner ups than he has wins, doesn't yes, he?
1: Yes. Yes. And so let's not go there. I, I mean, the percentage for Kepka is outstanding. Sure. So you're spot on there.
0: But I like the bold nature of it. But it's I bold. Do. It's a
1: hot take. I think this is probably a little bit of age gap, you know, <laughs> because you got the old man and me, and you then and the young buck here that you know really wasn't old enough to enjoy Nicholas era per se. That's so t- I, that to be fair, I didn't. So I didn't it's get all a bit that. of perspective, you know, like people older than me are like, oh, you 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 didn't see Arnold Palmer? Well, you're right, I didn't.
0: Well, and I'll say this, obviously kepka has got the five wins dating back to the 2017 U.S. Open, but uh, let's see here. Two, four, six, seven, ten. He's got 12, 12 top tens, is that right, in that time? Or 12 top fives? Top tens. 12 top tens in majors. So, to Jackson's point, yeah, he's contending a lot in these events and – uh and getting in the mix, but I, I'm still, yes, siding with uh, Jack Nicholas. I've got this question for both of you to ponder. I, I saw this making the rounds on social media. I thought it was the easiest question of all time to answer, but uh, some people were asking the question, is it more likely that Brooks Kepka gets to six or that Spieth or McElroy get to five. I had it, I mean, to me this was a slam dunk, easy answer, but uh, we'll see what both of you think next. Plus, uh, let's hear from the champion as well. Brooks Kepka after uh, capturing the Wanamaker for a third time and Victor Hovland oh so close, but no cigar. What did Victor have to say afterwards? That coming your way next, it's the Gimme Zone. Just underway on The ref. Ah! Man, we've got so much we can dive into this morning. Major championship uh, golf is just fun. Know. I love it. I love previewing it and recapping
2: should it. I,
0: I, I, I want to bring. I know we've teased other items here, and there's I a bunch to get into. But as we, uh, well, I guess on this note, let's just hear from Brooks Kepka. Let's let's get that out of the way. Brooks Kepka, what was it like? Third Wanamaker Trophy. How does it feel? Feels damn
2: good. Um, yeah, this one's this one's definitely special. I think this one's probably the most meaningful of them all. Uh, with everything that's gone on, all the uh, All the crazy stuff over the last few years, but uh, it feels good to be back and um, get number five. That's great. We'll uh, start taking questions starting at Mike Levin. Hey,
0: Brooks. Congratulations. Uh, How much did that win in Orlando, you know, and now the runner-up position at the Masters kind of set you up for this? You know, were those instrumental in the process,
2: or was it when you're back, you're back? Uh, I don't know. I've been playing good for a while. I felt like I, I knew I was back kind of in January. Uh, just needed to kind of a little bit, some reps, I think in the beginning of the year, just to kind of get, get things going and feel a little bit more comfortable. But I mean, I've been playing good, I feel like I've been in contention to win every week, probably since, yeah, probably since Orlando. So, I've uh, just been playing good and very pleased with the way I'm playing and just need to continue it.
0: So there you go. Brooks Kepka first comments, uh, after he captures the Wanamaker for a third time, which again, a rarefied air only, uh, Five or six golfers that have have won uh, the Wanamaker that many times, so uh, Kepka unique in in that respect. Uh, Wanamakers and U.S. Open championships. That's that's all kepka has got so far. So he's still in terms of the Grand Slam, and he had a near miss at Augusta National. Uh, still looking for the Masters, and still looking for what that uh, that Open Championship to complete the Slam. And who knows if. Uh, if he can go win the Open Championship to end this major season, then that sets up a pretty interesting set of storylines at Augusta National for next year, where you'd have, what, both Rory McIlroy and Brooks Kepka all of a sudden trying to uh, track down the career slam at uh, Augusta National. You brought up something, though, that was interesting during the break, Brian, and I think it's spot on. And Brooks Kepka's basically, I mean, he said as much in the past that he wants a major championship to be difficult. He feels like if a major championship golf course like Oak Hill, if the winning score is, let's say, at par or slightly uh, below par or where it wound up being, which was nine under par once it was all said and done at Oak Hill, Brooks Kepka said in the past that favors him. And you pointed out during the break, Brian, that it feels like he plays better in those events and I think you're I think you're dead on and I think Brooks Kepka would tell you that
1: yeah you know it's interesting it, that's a true fact you said Josh although at the same time he holds the record for the lowest uh, score to par in a. US open tied with Rory but most of the majors he's won have been close to par and at- You know, and not a crazy number under. And the reason I think that Brooks feels like that favors him is because he knows how to manage a golf course really, really well. And he is long enough off the tee and disciplined enough that he will pull out a driving iron or something less than driver when needed. And you've seen that a lot when he won U.S. Opens. And some of the guys like Rory aren't that disciplined. They just want to bang that driver all the way down there. And Phil was guilty of that, right? That's why we talked before we came on air today. I said that's why Phil, I didn't feel like Phil's game was ever suited to win a U.S. Open because it typically is tighter and the rough is the longest of any of the majors. And and Phil, even at his best, bangs it all over the course. You know, he's not going to go out and hit twelve of thirteen or twelve of fourteen fairways. That's not Phil.
0: No, that's that's a good point. And yet, for Phil Mickelson, the curious thing as we enter the uh, the national championship month of the programming here is, for whatever reason, he's actually gotten in contention a bunch in the U.S. Open and has had near misses in that thing. Even though I I would agree with that assessment that on paper, yeah, no, it doesn't it doesn't really fit with what you would expect Phil Mickelson to uh, to go win. So teased it before the break. I was floored. That this question was even asked on social media because to me it's a slam dunk. And I would go so far as to say that I think Brooks I think Brooks Kepka's winning seven majors before either Jordan Speeth or Rory McElroy track down their next major championship. But uh, what say you, Jackson? More likely that Kepka gets to six or that Speath or McElroy track down five to pull level. Uh, beforehand
2: man uh I'm gonna kind of meet in the middle here because unbelievable I'm gonna meet in the middle I know I know I gotta be on one today right no but Brooks will definitely get his sixth before either of them touch five but I think Jordan would be more likely to get his fourth before Brooks touches seven because I like Jordan Spieth going into the open championship this next year this up this this go around at Royal Liverpool I like Jordan Spieth's game to suit that golf course. but Why do you feel that way? Well, he's got the – I mean, that's just his style of golf. I mean, he's, he plays low. He's a great putter of the golf ball. Miraculous short game. I mean, the open is just it, – it, it seems like it was tailor-made for Jordan Spieth in a lot of different ways. And Royal Liverpool is a course he can go out and he can really finesse around the greens. He can, if his putting is working that week, he's going to be on the front page of the leaderboard because Jordan Spieth right now is at three majors. He's not at four. And so, I, I gave him an extra? You gave him an extra major. He's happy about that. Yeah, that's fair. Congrats, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, he'll take it. If it's you a would, Josh Helmer major. Yeah, if you want to give him a major, I'm sure he'll take it in stride. But I definitely think Brooks will get to six before either of them touches five, particularly
1: Rory McElroy. Brian, am I, am I off the beaten path here? No, I think you're on to something. Um, I tend to think Brooks is getting... The next one before either of those two get one. My question to both of you, and I'll throw this to Josh first, does Brooks win another major this year? I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. I'm
0: going to say that he, he does not. Uh, and I stand uh, corrected. Thank you for that. So with this question, let's say I, basically the question is, do Spieth or McElroy do they get another one before Kepka gets another one? And uh, I would say, I mean, it sounds like maybe you're saying
2: yes on Jordan Spieth, right? That that he would get his fourth. I, it's a good chance. It's a good chance. But Brooks Koepka at Los Angeles Country Club is not, is not a match that you should sleep lightly on because Los Angeles, it, it's a different atmosphere, different topography, but the way you play it is going to be similar to how you play Oak Hill. Tight fairways, long rough. He's won at golf courses like that before. There's no reason Brooks Kepka shouldn't be considered in in your major picks for for the upcoming US Open. So it's if it, there's a good chance that happens. I I don't dislike Brooks Kepka
1: at Los Angeles this year. What do you think, Brian? Well, that's kind of why I said he'd get that. I think yeah. I think in my mind he's the odds on favorite at the US Open. Now for the Open Championship, I would favor Rory and Spieth before uh, I would Brooks Koepka. The other person I think that could really be dangerous in the Open Championship is Victor Hovland. I don't think Victor Hovland, I'll be shocked if he's in the top ten in the U.S. Open. But I've been wrong before. The other guy that you might want to look out for in the U.S. Open, he has not played very well, but tends to really play well in California, Colin Mar-Calla. Mm, Yeah, because you, you and I were talking about him a little
2: bit earlier in his putting woes. And so that that's going to be the biggest determinant. Let's see how he plays in the upcoming stretch leading up to the U.S. Open, and then we can figure out. Okay, is his putting? If his putting is anywhere close to decent, he's going to be a factor on Sunday at the U.S. Open, Calamari. And, and
0: isn't it John Rahm who plays really, really well in California too? That's that, also uh, true. The early portion of the schedule before it hits the Florida swing, he's got all those different PGA Tour wins. So I mean, just based off of that. I, I probably you got to say, you know, John Rom look out, uh, which, hey, look, <laughs> you know, top ranked player in the world or right, right around that neighborhood. No surprise. That's not anything shocking to say. Look out for John Rom But coming off a performance where he really wasn't all that good in this last major championship, uh, you obviously put him uh, on your radar to go win because he plays well out west for whatever reason. He, he plays
1: well out west. Well, I think you're 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 on to something. Josh in the sense that there's different types of grasses both in the fairway and on the greens depending on you know what part of the country you play in you know Florida typically has Bermuda greens or you know that that combo Bermuda tiff eagle type thing um I I haven't kept up with all the different I know there's different strains now that are even better than that but you know whereas you know other parts will be just true bent grass and then you get into California you get a lot of poana type oh, poana grass is so difficult it can be so difficult and that's
2: why he's such an aggressive putter it's because you have to be aggressive on poana grass otherwise it's just going to go
1: yeah any ba- it way. bounces off line on yeah, you yeah. because especially if you g- if you get the afternoon draw and you know it's grown a little bit and that's where it gets really difficult on those poana type greens and so you know man It's going to be really interesting. But you know who also has played really well that that nobody's given a lot of credit in these first two majors? Is our most hated guy on the Live Tour, right? Mr. Patrick Reed? Mr. Patrick Reed, right? Look out. I mean, he's played pretty well. And when you can putt like he does.
0: Yeah, he he feels like a golfer that the U.S. Open would, would suit him well.
1: I agree because he typically is straight off the tee, can really putt and has a great short game. His iron play is not on the same par of some of the more elite players, but and I don't know if his length can hold up at
2: Los Angeles off the tee box cuz he's not the longest hitter of the golf ball. And so it's going to be he's got to I mean he's got to do something special.
0: It, at it least, would have at to least be in
2: my opinion he it, does.
0: It would have to be that week where Fairways, greens, and regulation, putting clinic, and, and and I think for for Reed, what Brian and I are talking about is he feels like he feels like the type of guy that could have that incredible putting week at a U.S. Open. But I, I'm with you, the the length portion, yeah. I mean, obviously, he's going to be giving up something there.
1: Yeah, but here's the deal. I, I yeah, I think people have kind of written Patrick Reed off for dead. You know, they're like, ah, oh, he's a has been that the lift tour took. I feel like he's got his game back and and, and there's a little bit of uh, reinvigoration that's gone on. And so it'll be interesting to see if that continues in the next two majors. You know, he always plays Augusta well, so that's that's a, you know, that's different. But him playing well at Oak Hill kind of surprised me. Um, but you know, I think going forward, this whole debate of the Liv versus PGA Tour guys is just getting squashed, right? Because the reality is good players are good players no matter what tour you play on. And you're kind of seeing more and more of the media. And I'm not talking Brandel Shambly because I don't think he's media. I don't know what he is. Um, but I'll, I'll, let's throw it out there right now. Brandel, Phil. What's we'll get you on the gimme zone next week. Sort it we, out. And we'll moderate that debate, right? Couple of old
0: friends, will sort it out. No yeah. big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Br- bring him on the show. Uh, Victor Hoplin, I know we mentioned off the top that, uh, well, we debated a little bit off the top. Is this a good sign or a bad sign for victor hofflin let's let's delve a little deeper on that and let's hear from victor next right here it's the gimme zone talking pga championship wrap up and starting to turn that attention the calendar moving toward the national championship the u.s open right around the corner on the gimme zone welcome back everybody it is the gimme zone happy saturday to you happy perhaps record saturday to you i don't know 47s across the board baby For the Sooners in football and in softball and with the win today, kiss Arizona goodbye. Sooners softball can uh, have the all-time consecutive wins mark from uh, Marita Hines Field today. And obviously not all 47, would-be 48 of those from Marita Hines Field. But uh, the all-time consecutive wins mark, Oklahoma softball trying to track that down today And uh, that'll be this afternoon, and we've got it for you right here on the the Ref Radio Network. And uh, we'll we'll segue right into that as soon as we sign off here in about an hour. So just wanted to politely invite everybody that uh, this OU softball update, it's brought to you by Orthostat in Norman. Injuries, they're not convenient, but Orthostat is same-day orthopedic care, no appointment needed. Orthostat, 405-515-5575, or visit ouchorthostat.com. learn more so uh don't miss out on that if you're looking for the uh the radio call you can you can turn the tv broadcast on mute that bad boy and and you know crank up plank right here uh on the ref is anybody
1: better than plank josh by the way calling softball no
0: no absolutely not
1: and i'm not just saying that because he's our friend and works here i mean if you just listen to the other play by play folks around the country i mean plank is the absolute best head and shoulders above
0: the uh, the rest of the field, lapping the rest of the field. He's, uh, I mean, he's he is what he is. And I will, you know, greedily, because he's our guy a little bit too, but just genuinely also say he's just really good. Just really good at doing play-by-play, and it's fun listening to his call. And everybody can do that uh, coming up this afternoon where, again, the uh, pregame show live at 1145. And I think history is getting made today. But this, my friends, is a golf show, and I've got a take for you that, I you know, from the realm of takes, I don't think that this would be a, you know, fiery hot take, but I don't know that I've heard a bunch of people say this coming out of the PGA Championship. You know who I was really, really impressed with last weekend to, to close things out? I'll, I'll let each of you venture a guess.
2: As far as who you were impressed with this last week, limited guess. Did not
0: win the tournament but uh, came away impressed with their performance. I'm
2: going to say Cam Davis.
0: Okay. It's, I, it's pretty low-hanging fruit. I'll, I'll give you that little hint.
1: I might say Scheffler in the way he came back and got right back in the mix on Sunday. Ding,
0: ding, ding. Absolutely. That's exactly who I was thinking of. It reminded me, and this has gotten, I think, lost in translation, guys. Do you remember last year at the Open Championship? It looked like Cam Smith was done on uh, that day before he went and won it. Remember, was it hole 16 or 17? He had that atrocious double bogey, and, and at the time, it felt like, you know, on the TV broadcast and just going into the next day that, you know, Hovland and these other guys, I mean, he had lost the tournament right then and there. And yet, then he comes back and has an amazing Sunday. And of course, it was the, the putting clinic heard around the world. And he goes and he wins his first major championship and boom, goes off to the live tour. This wasn't totally that for Scotty Scheffler, but I thought that I felt a little bit of that because obviously he didn't win the tournament. But it, it was that sort of resolve for me from Scotty Scheffler because on Saturday, it was over. Scheffler was done. He would played himself out of the tournament. And then, lo and behold, he turns right back around. And actually, with the way that he closed on Saturday, then into Sunday's performance, gave himself a chance. If Kepka wasn't nails coming down the stretch, we might be talking about Scheffler in a playoff. And, oh, you know, all of a sudden, he's got a PGA Championship to, to add to his collection. So, no, he doesn't win the tournament. But I thought, for me, going forward, Brian, I saw some pretty impressive stuff and signs from Scheffler.
1: Well, here's the deal. Scheffler's B-minus game is as good as everybody else's. When he putts average or better, he is odds-on favorite to win the tournament. He putted much better on Sunday actually made some putts. You know, he didn't make hardly any putts the whole week before that. So, And then the week before that at the Byron Nelson, he putted atrociously and finished, what, two back? Something like that, yeah. Two back, I think. And and, and in his own words, he goes, I think I had 34 putts each round. Which he didn't have that many, but yes, I would love to have 34 putts around. Cause I'm usually north of that. But, <laughs> but the the reality is, his ball striking and short game is so good right now that he's just got to be, you know, slightly above average in the field and putting, and he's right there to win it. Jackson thoughts.
2: Uh, Scotty Scheffler is, I mean, he is a special, special golfer in a lot of different ways, and. Brian hit the nail right on the head. I mean, as long as he's putting decently, he is going to be the favorite in any event he plays for the foreseeable future until something else starts suffering because he's so strong off the tee box. He is so strong a ball striker, and his wedge play is high above average. I mean, it's it's incredible to watch him play. And the fact that he's able to go out there, okay, you you could easily say all right we shut ourselves out we're going to go out and just get our paycheck and move on that's not who Scotty Scheffler is as a competitor as a person he wants to go out there and beat the brakes off of you even if he's not exactly the most emotional of of human beings you know he doesn't have that hot spanish blood in him that you know Sergio and John raw i mean we know we know what an emotional golfer looks like and that ain't Scotty Scheffler he's not tiger woods uh, certainly not but he is as competitive a player as you're going to find and so for him to go out on a, sund- on a Sunday where he's seemingly well and truly out of contention, minus somebody having a mistake, and post the round that he did. 65. 65 on the final round of a major. I mean, that's that's special in any major you play at. He is going to go far, and he's going to win several more majors, and that is the reason why.
0: I, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but who who does his game remind you of from the past? Is there anybody that comes to mind? right off the top because he's, I mean, he's not the, uh, you know, like flamethrower off the tee. And, you know, he doesn't really have the, it doesn't seem like the, the Phil Mickelson or savvy or whoever, like creativity. I mean, he's just solid. So is there anybody that comes to mind, man, uh,
2: or is he just super steady? He's his own guy. It's, it's tough to compare him to a bunch of other people. If I had to, if I had to nail down maybe his his personality to a particular play style, I might compare him to a Freddie Couples. If I had to compare him to just how he goes about his business, feels very reminiscent. He feels very relaxed. He feels very in tune with his game. I don't think anybody was as in tune with their game as Freddie Couples was when he was playing very, very well. And, and go ahead and tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm missing the mark on that.
1: No, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer on this. Freddie Couples would love to have Scheffler's worst day of putting because Couples Couples was an awful putter, which is the reason he didn't win a lot more because he, I mean, he was called boom, boom for a reason Mm because he was hitting out there past everybody. I do think Scheffler's really long off the tee. So, um, and accurate. So, um, what I would say is a much better Davis love. The third is what comes to my mind in the modern era, you know, a really good golf swing and very calm demeanor, almost boring. You know, you're not going to ever see him pull a Henrik Stenson and bust a five iron over his leg, which I'd love to see him do. <laughs> I'd, I'd have a great respect for him, for <laughs> sure. You know, if he hit, hooked one out of bounds or something and just put that one right over his knee like, like – stinson did uh, had multiple times by the way um, the Iceman, <laughs> yeah still the greatest uh that was the greatest little tidbit that Faraday did on the live event in tulsa on their broadcast when they had that little uh, uh special on uh player blow-ups it was, it was one of my favorites i was dying laughing i was like man i've been there i've done that yep done that yep mm-hmm.
2: yep that's that's a very good comparison i'm Man, I'm sad you took that one. That would have been a great one to call, but he's he's absolutely right. And now that I think about it, you couldn't compare anybody better. He's just – he's an upgraded version of DL the third. I mean, that's just the truth of it. There's there's no way around it.
0: Yeah, I mean, some of these statistics for him this year are just awesome. I mean, driving distance, like you said, is good, uh, 23rd, 23rd. But, uh, I mean, the, the strokes gained total is, is first. Strokes gained off the tee is first. Approach to the green is second. Uh, strokes gain putting is is 90 second uh driving total driving second i mean he's just a bunch of these stats look great i'm actually surprised to see the putting isn't a little bit better
1: no that's that's been what's held him mm-hmm. up i mean he'd probably won every week with these other stats if if he'd putted better and when i was talking driving well gee, i know he's not one of the 10 longest but i'm talking total driving i and i had looked at that stat last week um, before the PGA, and I think he was third or fourth or something like that. So total driving is that combination of accuracy and distance, which puts you in a special category because typically over you know the history of golf, the longest hitters have not been the most accurate. And that's really what hurt DJ last week is that while he is typically a great total driving stat guy because he bombs it and hits it really straight that cut he hit a lot of just pull hooks that didn't cut and that really hurt him and he just never got in the flow there
0: well to use a to borrow a baseball analogy here the guy that throws 103 is not always tossing it right down the center of the plate, right? It, you know, in terms of guys that can really rip it off the tee box. So, that, that probably applies there, too. Victor Hovland, I teased it. We didn't, we didn't make up for the, the promise. So, we'll do that when we come back. A little Victor Hovland to close our number one. It's the Gimme Zone right here on The Wrap. One final time back with you in our number one. We call this the Gimme Zone. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard and Jackson Robottom. We welcome to the show Victor Hovland from his uh, post-round press conference at the PGA Championship. Victor, uh, dude, what the heck happened uh, with the embedded ball?
2: Just uh, didn't get out of the bunker, plugged in a lip, and tried to get a drop, and yeah, made a double bogey. What, What club were you trying to hit out of the bunker there? Nine iron.
0: Let's go up to 10 and 11, please.
1: Yeah, Victor, obviously you haven't had any time to process this so far, but... How would you assess your play today overall? Played great.
2: Um, wish I would have made a couple more putts earlier. Um, felt like I uh, I played really solid golf, gave myself a lot of looks. And uh, when I was out of position, I hit some great short game shots and got out of there with par. And, um, but uh, Brooks was hard to catch.
0: Sometimes press conferences are just really funny. <laughs> I know you haven't had time to process this, but let me please ask you to process this. It's uh, you, you have to be nice, right? You have to uh, be uh, sensitive to Victor's emotions after what was, you know, a devastating finish in some regards. But I don't know, I just cracks me up because I'm guilty of that too. If I was asking the question, I might have phrased it a, a similar way. But so the the thing that grabs me there, guys, Victor. Post-round on the course, I think, uh, what, did he talk with Amanda Balionis and, uh in the post-round post press conference there? He didn't feel he played poorly, Brian.
1: No, and I don't think he did. I think he probably made a strategic error trying to hit 9-iron out of that. I think he probably should have just hit a sand wedge, put it back in the fairway, taken his medicine. But he hit 9-iron, thinking he'd get it to the green or right up next to the green. But, you know, if he hit sand wedge and just say he's – 100 yards out still those guys get it up and down from that distance more often than not that's why they're on the pga tour or a live tour the difference you know for the casual golf fan that may not have seen a lot of high level golf the difference in great amateurs and these guys that do it for a living is all 100 yards in i mean that is the difference that is the difference and victor hovland i mean you could tell
2: in his interview how he did. He kind of was. His answers were short to the point he didn't want to be there any longer than he had to be. He he was still reeling from from that loss, and he he knew his he knew his error. He knew in hindsight because trust me, no one's gonna let him forget it for the rest of the day and probably for the next couple of weeks. So it wasn't John Vandeveldish though. No, that's not very true. He stayed in it the whole time. He's got well, a lot to be proud of.
0: Uh, let, let's continue to talk about that because how do you strike that balance with making the right choice in that moment or is it just luck in some ways for certain guys how damaging could this be for hopland and uh mcelroy he's trying to play up that this was a good week for him and i guess that it was but we can debate and discuss plus kevin doherty the corn fairy tour star has played well throughout a couple of rounds a couple of uh two under pars he's four under Uh, at the uh, Corn Ferry Tour event down in Knoxville this week. Let's hear from him coming up next hour as well as he uh, gets set for moving day on the Corn Ferry Tour. Plus, uh, he's coming to the Compliance Solutions Championship here at Jimmy Austin in uh, Norman coming up in June. That's it for hour number one. Hour number two is next. It's the Gimme Zone on The Wrap.